Hi, this is George Wassel, uh, writer and creator of Oh Hell, and um, you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, we have the poison rice ball sliding off the roof, CBS. You don't eat that because it's going to taste great and kill you. We also have with us, emerging from a smoke bomb, Ross. Hi. It's a freaking ninja. Sweet. Does that mean he's Batman? I think I think we're all Batman, deep in our, deep in our hearts. Deep in our hearts. I don't think that's fair for some reason. Also featuring the giant owl on the roof, Rob. Hi. Hi. <laughs> like a damn ninja. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, that's Rob. Um, oh, welcome to Top Five Comics Podcast. Uh, today we are doing episode number ninety. All right. Uh, let's see. Book wise, we are going to be doing uh, Bullseye number one uh, from Marvel Comics. Uh, we'll be doing Batwoman Rebirth number one from DC Comics. John Carter The End from Dynamite Comics, also number one from Dynamite Comics. Uh, Deadpool number 27 from Marvel Comics. And Super Sons number one from DC Comics. I don't really think things are done to say the name of the company because you should have an idea where the book came from unless it's an obscure book. Yeah, in theory. You know. Yeah. Anyway, that's the books we're going to be doing, folks. Good, good times. Ha <laughs> ha No? Okay. Uh, uh, we also have some trivia questions. Now, what we're going to be doing is, uh, I want to say this episode, we have four, I think, four trivia questions. Was it four? I thought it was three. Yeah. Uh, Dude, we'll go with three. Three trivia questions that will be inserted throughout the podcast. So in order to win uh, a digital code from a Marvel comic, also randomly selected at the time of winning, you need to respond with which question number. So if it's question number one, you put question one. And then your answer to question one, the first person with the right question for each of the corresponding Questions? Man, it's a lot hard to explain. The right answer. The right answer. Entered on Twitter. So tweet to us um, on the Twitter. And repost the the podcast. Yes, so repost the podcast on Twitter. And the first three people to answer the questions right will message you a digital code for a comic book download. I, I think you are right. I think it was four, actually. Okay, we'll go with four. I'm sorry. That's all right. We'll go. We'll go with four. So, so what is the what is the Twitter handle, or the Twitter Twitter the Twitter response? The way to tag us on Twitter? Yes. That'd be the at symbol, top five f i v e podcast. So, again, the at symbol, t o p f i v e p o d c a s t Top five podcast yeah. things. Anyway, so yeah, so what you have to do to win, repost the podcast, answer whichever question you're answering, and then your answer for the question. And 
first one to get whatever with the four questions gets the. I mean, some of the codes may be the same book, so I mean, you're welcome to answer all the questions, but ultimately, if two of them are the same book, you you won't win the same code because they only let you enter the code once, even if it's a different code. So you can't get two copies of, for example, Doctor Strange Eleven if that was the book we were doing as a giveaway. I mean, we won't tell you which ones they are, because they're going to be randomly picked whenever we get the codes. I, I so, think what you're trying to say is that if you answered all the questions, because you were fast, and you knew your stuff, you could get multiple of the same downloadable book. Which only it could, only could let you do it once, so... Yeah. It, that, so um, you may only win two times, or one time. So you can play times. as often as you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. It's like the lottery. Right, exactly. It's comic lottery. Comic lottery. In repost your answers in separate things. So if you're going to answer episode one or question one, repost question one, answer, insert. Next post, repost two. So I don't want four answers and four questions in one repost. I want multiple reposts, people. Multiple reposts. That makes sense? It is, it is. And it's okay to do that, because Twitter, I mean, that's just how, that's how Twitter works. Pretty much. That and tell people what you have at breakfast, and if you're using the bathroom. Pretty sure that's true. I get those every once in a while. Well, like Facebook, you know, I mean, you can you can overload people, but Twitter you can't. You can. You, you just keep sending shit. It's fine. On people don't care. No, Twitter is a different animal mm-hmm. than Facebook. Facebook people get kind of upset with it. Twitter, that's that's what it's made for. Yeah. It's made, I, it's made for. I have scam. a feeling that some people would argue with you about that, but yeah, probably, but you know, whatever. That's what I hear. That's what the cool people say. All right, well, let's move on to news. Good God. We get a little news from Ross in the dog pile. God damn it. <laughs> Sweet. So, yeah, there's been quite a bit of crazy DC news the past couple of weeks. Yeah, past couple of weeks. At least two. So I guess one of the first crazy ones is we got reveals of the Flash Batman crossover, the button. Right. We got reveals of some of the new covers for it. The 22 cover for Batman. Awesome. Yeah, we got the reveal of uh, Thomas Wayne, Flashpoint Batman, coming back somehow and reverse Flash on the Flash side. Which is super crazy, considering... Zoom, I should say, not like yeah. Reverse Flash from New 52. Not, like, yeah, not the New 52, but the Zoom, which last we saw Thomas killing in oh, Flashpoint. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Man, That's crazy. crazy. And then Justice League Dark animated movie that just came out. Right. They announced in that the next DC animated is going to be Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. Which is going to be crazy, because it's kind of a little bit of a different team of Teen Titans, and it takes place in their regular continuity of for the, the DC for movies? the animated movies. Right. Yeah, um, but it has uh, Christina Ritchie uh-huh. is playing Tara. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, well, it's kind of an interesting voice yeah. cast in there, and then all the other uh, voices are previous, previous people Titans voiced and them stuff? In, in previous. Um, the guy that voiced Wally West in Young Justice is going to be voicing Wally West in uh, the Judas Contract movie. Oh, really? From the Young Justice show? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I, it's a different version of Wally West. I'm sure it's going to be an older version, like Nightwing Age. But Right, right. Well, timeline-wise, since Nightwing's in it, and supposedly Damien. Yeah. So it makes sense that we'd have an older Flash. 
Yeah. So that'll be pretty awesome. The movie looks really cool. Um, in the write-up on the package of that movie when it came out, they also gave away the next DC animated movie after that. Right. Which is going to be a Batman and Harley Quinn movie. That's the actual name of it, is Batman and Harley Quinn. So Yeah, which is interesting. way questionable. I guess we'll see. Yeah. That's an interesting title, but yeah. Kyle. You know it would be really cool? Huh. Is if it wasn't in continuity of the what their current continuity is, if they went back to, like, a Batman the Animated Series style and brought Bruce Tim back and had him do a, a Batman the Animated Series, like, a full movie, just about huh. that version of Harley Quinn and Batman. It'd be interesting. I don't... Uh, I find it unlikely. You know, I kind of do, too, but the Animated Series stuff has gotten pretty popular recently, so... Well, yeah, but they also threatened to make the Killing Joke part of that, too, and Killing Joke was kind of... Eh. Yeah. Well, the Killing Joke, they used a lot of the same voice cast and stuff, but... Yeah, for the whole point of it being connected to the Bruce Tim stuff, which is why the art style was sort of like that, but not. It wasn't supposed to be storyline no, connected at the, all, though. No, made a big deal about having the original no, Batgirl. No, because Batman Beyond was part of that story, too. Part yeah. of the original Bruce Tim stuff, and there's no way that version of Batgirl and stuff could have been part of the, the Batman the, Beyond. Because of the paralyzation? Well, they I her? guess maybe, because yeah. she comes back as Commissioner Gordon. She does. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think that could be part of that at all. But uh, I think was. that was its own thing. No. I'm saying it was. No, I don't think so. Because they don't have Batman breaking the neck at the end of it either. So it can't be a standalone. I think it's a standalone thing, man. No, I don't think yeah. so. I agree <laughs> disagree on that, Ross. I'm pretty sure they were trying to connect it. Oh, man. Pretty sure. I guess I have to go back and watch the... Documentary blah 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 that comes on the DVD Blu-ray blah uh, blah. Yeah. I never bought the movie for that one, so I don't know what about any of the extra no, stuff. No, I, I was disappointed at seeing in the theater, but there was two pieces they played in the theater. They played a Mark Hamill interview that I'm sure is in the DVD, and they played a God, they played some other piece that was uh, part of the DVD combo when they did in the theater because it was a limited release kind of thing. It wasn't like a regular release. Yeah. The last one of those to happen was Mask of the Phantasm forever ago. It's crazy. Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, I remember I was excited to see The Killing Joke because of that, because it was gonna be an animated Batman in theater right. again. Yeah, they did it as a limited release, and then they included the two... I, I don't, I yeah, they had the interviews, those. like, before the movie. Yeah, yeah which is not then. normal for a movie release, but mm, they included it. because it was anyways. one of the special Fathom event movie releases right. thing. It's too bad is that it kind of turned me off to those, and then they showed the 66 Batman animated movie in theaters oh. a couple of weeks after that, and I never saw that Dang one. It. See, I wish I would have known that. <laughs> <sighs> we need to watch that still. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I know where it is now. <laughs> I, f I found the, the disc I got for Christmas. Nice. I think I got it for you for you Christmas. You did, and I lost it for a minute. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, Ross. It, was, it wasn't on purpose. Oh, man. But I still haven't watched it, so that would be a good thing to watch. Yeah, it would. So in the... Back to the Teen Titans news. Yes. We also got news of the next big DC crossover in comic, comic books. books. Yep. And it's going to be Teen Titans, Titans, and Deathstroke. And it's called The Lazarus Contract. Similar titling. Yeah. But not the same thing. No, different different story. But they do say in like the write-ups for it right. that they're going to be exploring uh, Nightwing and Deathstroke's history together. That's cool. So... It makes me wonder if they're going to remember more some more pre-New 52 stuff. 
Because yeah, it sounds like Deathstroke remembers his original son. That's that's kind of the whole point of the story, is Deathstroke finds out Wally West comes back, and he remembers Wally West. And in that, he he's trying to figure out if he can bring his son back to life using time travel stuff with Wally West. Right, well, there's at least one image they've showed where Deathstroke's costume has a straight-up, like, flash lightning bolt on it. Yeah. Um, it looks like he has, like, a lightning rod thing. Yeah. Too. Like, he stole the power somehow. So that's an interesting concept. Deathstroke with with speed force powers? Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Interesting. More parts of the story that I'm really, really excited about that I talked to you about before is we're going to have, because it's a Teen Titans-Titans crossover, we're going to have Nightwing and Damien partnered up again for a little while. Both the Wally West again. Oh, right, yeah. And then uh, we'll have Tempest. Oh, and, and, and Aqualad. Aqualad. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's almost like the junior junior Titans and the regular Titans. It reminds me a lot oh. of uh, when you had Titans and Young Justice yeah. team up or there for a while in the book that ultimately went to that graduated Young Justice to Teen Titans and Teen oh, yeah. Titans to the regular Titans The Young again. Justice comic book prior to the show ever happening. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I guess I didn't think about it that way because, yeah, you're crossing both groups. Mm. That's okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And you also have almost that original new Teen Titans team. They haven't shown Cyborg on the cover yet, but how awesome would it be if Cyborg shows back up in that story somehow? I mean, it's possible, I guess, but they made up such a big deal about making him part of the Titan, or making him part of the Justice League. Well, I'm saying he could still be part of the Justice League, but it'd be really cool just if he showed up for this story. Right. So that way you had Nightwing, uh, Wonder Girl, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and Cyborg all. On one group. And, uh, uh, Kid Flash, or Flash in this case. Right. Flash, Kid Flash. Man, Aqualad Tempest, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm excited to see how that's going to go, because we really, we haven't got that interaction at all, ever, in any continuity, other than the Young Justice TV show. But in that, they were more just like friends. It wasn't like one of them was older or anything. Well, no, yeah, in that series, they made them both the same age, which was not... Well, I mean, I can't say it's not right, but it didn't match anything else. Yeah, it was different, yeah. So, so it'll be cool seeing them, uh, seeing those two interact. Yeah. I'm really curious how uh, the new Aqualad's going to come across in the comics anyway. On to more DC news. Right. We, we'd heard, I think I'd actually already talked about it too here, but there's going to be the DC... Hanna-Barbera crossovers that are coming out. We talked about the annuals, yeah. And uh, when those come out, there's going to be some of them that have backup stories that are the kickoff of new lines of those Hanna-Barbera comics from the future, so like the Jetsons, and I think uh, Snagglepuss is one of them, and some kind of weird choices. But So uh, on top of the continuing the Hanna-Barbera stuff, DC showed off four covers this week, a couple days ago, and... uh, no other information, just these four covers of Looney Tunes DC crossovers that are in the same style as the DC universe, not as, like, Looney Tunes style. Yeah, the art style for them is very, uh, normal continuity style, sort of. Yeah. But, yeah, a couple of them are super weird. They all look really cool. Like, uh, so first one we got was Lobo teamed up with Wiley Coyote to hunt down the Roadrunner. He's not a normal-looking Roadrunner, but similar. 
You know, and Wiley Coyote looks like alien coyote kind of yeah. thing, like person coyote. But uh, really cool. I actually really like the designs of them in that one. Um, the second one we got was Elmer Fudd and Batman, which I don't know if that's Elmer Fudd going after Batman or if it's going to be some sort of weird. It's hard to say because the image is Elmer Fudd outlined in red walking in the shadow of Batman's head. Yeah. So it's like almost an animated series looking it does, yeah. style, but Elmer's not drawn animated style. They don't draw him very close up, so you can't really uh, get a yeah, good artistic viewpoint of it, but it does remind me a lot of the animated series. It does. Yeah. Like the coloring scheme to it and the way it's designed, mm. very animated style. Uh, third one was Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam, and it looks like Foghorn Leghorn, probably. Which is crazy. Giant Chicken Man. I'm Giant thinking, Chicken Man. I'm thinking that's probably got to be Foghorn Leghorn. If it's not, it'd be surprising. I don't know how I didn't see that the first time I saw that. I saw that, I'm like, Yosemite Sam looks too tall. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to the guy next to him, who clearly has a chicken head. Yep. Clearly. Yep. How I missed that, I don't know. <laughs> I completely missed it. And the last one, that's funny, because it's like, Basically, our first instance of Martian Manhunter in post-rebirth, and it's Martian Manhunter versus Marvin the Martian. <laughs> right. It, also crazy and super questionable. Which, who knows if these things are going to be, like, supposedly rebirth characters and continuity things, or if they're just, like, crazy one-off stories that are... You know, it could be either or, because the Lobo we're dealing with is not New 52 Lobo, it's current yeah. Justice League America Lobo. Yeah. So the old school '90s Lobo. So it could also be old school '90s Lobo, I guess. I'm thinking it's probably going to be like, uh, like the Power Angels crossover they have going on right now, where it is the current iteration of sure. those characters, but not like tied into continuity. Right, right. At all. It's like current Justice League driving around, but with yeah, okay. So current Justice League with the original Power Ranger TV series for the American cast mm. characters but can't possibly fit anywhere because it doesn't make any sense to. Yeah, it's its own story, yeah. but that's the versions they yeah. chose to use. If they want to be in one-offs like the annuals are one-offs, then so be it. Yeah. It's an interesting... I don't know, it's super weird, but... It sounds it sounds really, really crazy saying it out loud, but if you see the pictures, how awesome they made them fit together and stuff, it's still crazy, crazy, but it looks really cool the way they... They do look pretty cool. The weirdest one, like, animated versus non-animated, is the Marvin Martian. Yeah. The way he's drawn is very cartoony, mm-hmm. but the rest of them are drawn like Jonah Hex, the chicken, and, and and Yosemite look like they fit in a Jonah Hex world. Yeah. Even though one's a giant chicken head. Yep. <laughs> it's so cool. Still weird. <laughs> but they're not drawn like classic cartoons next to Jonah Hex. No. They're drawn like in the same style as Jonah Hex. And they did actually have, reminds me, they did have a previous uh, run that was... I think it was Superman and Looney Tunes. Oh, no, it might have just been DC Universe and Looney Tunes. But it was more like that, where the Looney Tunes showed up and they were all cartoon characters, like, almost like Space Jam style, right. where they like Next the cartoon characters people. that show up in the DC Universe. You know, I'd, until we see interior art, it's questionable what would really be going on, because they may just be the covers. Because so far what they showed is covers, and for all we know, it's just cover art. So and actually, they didn't even say the covers, so you don't even know what the and deal if is. They're with not them. covers; would be surprising. Yeah, this is the way they're designed. A logo would fit in the top. Oh, they totally look like yeah. covers. I agree, but uh, I'm just saying they were very, very vague about what these things actually are. So it's crazy. Reminds me of something that I want to see happen. Oh no! Right? Okay. So they did this Hanna Barbera thing, and 
the Scooby-Doo one's kind of crazy future apocalypse thing. Yeah. I want them to do, like, how they did the Archie meets the Predator with okay. the Archie. I want them to do Scooby-Doo meets, like, Jason Voorhees, and Scooby-Doo meets <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street meets... Uh, I think that's a whole Freddy different. Kruger. That's a whole different kind of contract negotiation. No, they're all the same comic company still. Voorhees is. Yeah, Voorhees and really uh, Jason and Freddy Krueger are still DC. I'm pretty sure because huh. they were under Wildstorm when Wildstorm oh, was released. And stuff. Right, right, yeah. You know, it's a good question. But who knows? I mean, I just think that'd be such a cool. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do. Well, I don't know. They killed some crazy people on Archie. I wouldn't want them to kill, like, like Mystery Inc. people, but I think it'd be a really fun idea to see, the, like, how Scooby-Doo team deals with... Trying to stop Jason Voorhees? Yeah. It means if you're an extra character outside the five main cast, oh, you're, you're probably gonna, dead. Oh, you're dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No way. No way you're surviving that. Velma shows up with her weird boyfriend, and Shaggy shows up with his weird girlfriend, mm-hmm. and while the two of them are perfectly normal, <laughs> they're both definitely dead. It'd be hilarious if they actually took the boyfriends <laughs> and girlfriends from previous versions of the animated thing. That'd be hilarious. Because Shaggy had the one in the werewolf movie. Right. And yeah. surely Velma's had some sort of boyfriend. Well, and... Or the girlfriend from Mr. Inc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they could do that, too. There's two girlfriend deaths, and was... likes to kill anyway. Perfect. <laughs> See, I was thinking more like making actual classic animated style. Right. But I guess you could do that. You could just make redo her as like a, as if she was part of the Scooby-Doo thing the whole time anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a few random characters that showed up. I mean, you could have Barney Fife show up, too, I guess. Yeah. He showed up in a couple of episodes, Don Knotts. I don't know why awesome. you want Jason Voorhees to kill Don Knotts, but <laughs> God, man. Talk about cameo death. That'd See, be a pretty good one. I'd want you to put Scrappy-Doo in it. But oh. I know the, I know the problem with us putting Scrappy-Doo in it is the first thing creators are going to do is be like, no, I'm like Scrappy-Doo. Kill him off. Kill him off or make him Jason. Or make him the bad guy, yeah. yeah. And, and I just want him in it as Scrappy. Uh, you put Flim Flam in there? Oh my gosh, it'd be awesome. Yeah, but then then you're still killing Mr. Ink characters. Yeah, well, I guess Flim yeah, Flam you, wouldn't if be you that put bad to if you put though. them in, you'd have to make them not. You'd have to make them unkillable too. I not think. fodder. See, but and if you're gonna go that far to put Flim Flam in, I want you to put Vincent Van Gogh in. The oh, Vincent Price Vincent character. character. Yeah. Okay. I think our, my idea is going off the wall. I think now, it's you, you. You're on sort of a path, and then it's like the path. <laughs> There's an option to hit the little lever thing to turn, and the turn goes nowhere. Mm-hmm. You're kind of there. But anyway, <laughs> we'll see. That my Halloween prediction for this year. Okay. DC is going to pull off some sort of Scooby-Doo horror movie crossover. That'd be cool. It's a good guess. <laughs> I like that idea. I find it unlikely it'll be Jason or 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 or. God, why can't I get the name Freddy? out of my mouth? Freddy. I got a hard time earlier, too. Man. You Jason, know what? Freddy, or Michael. I doubt it'll be any of those three. I would love those three. If you couldn't pull off those three, I think it'd be really cool if you did a crossover with the original Universal Monsters. So, like, mm. the Scooby-Doo show had the monsters, but they weren't, like, the official thing. No. I think yeah. it'd be cool if you actually had, like, an officially licensed Universal Monsters. Yeah. That'd be a lot more hard, though, because be. I'm pretty sure they're under a different company. Yeah, at this point, so. they're universal only. But who knows what they could do. I mean, you had Archie vs. Predator. Those are both totally different companies. So. That's true. Yeah, they're both companies that like to work with each other. 
Because yeah, if you do the Archie and Dark Horse, oh, yeah. that was the first time they've really done much together. Yeah. If you took Universal, the, would be Dark Horse, I think, too, right now. Probably. Mm-hmm. If you took the Universal monsters, now are they going to be real monsters? They're going to be mash you pull off. Oh, I'd totally make them real monsters. Everything we're talking about, they'd be the real thing. Although it would be hilarious. They did a robot chicken of this, so it's kind of stealing the idea. But they did a robot chicken of Scooby Doo meets Jason. I would want it to be a more serious thing, obviously, than right. that ever was. Sure. But I do think it'd be hilarious. They have the unmasking at the end of that. They pull off his mask, and it's still Jason, but it's like... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, good stuff. Any other news, Ross? I think that's all the news I have. Yeah? Yeah. Can't think of anything. I mean, there's going to be a new Aliens movie. There's a lot of stuff about that on the I internet. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. There's so, actually a new Halloween movie coming out, too. It's oh, not a wow. Rob Zombie thing or anything. It's wow. someone else doing it. No, I was not aware of that, sir. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't feel like... I'm sure there was something else in the world, but... Yeah, I don't I don't know. You saw an awesome clip of uh, the King Kong movie just a minute ago. Yeah. It's not really as much a news, but it looks It looks pretty cool. awesome, yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely crazy. Like, I think that thing's going to be kind of awesome. Yeah. I saw that and immediately was like, dang it, now I want to go buy the toys from Walmart. They're terrible like, toys, though. The monsters are cool looking. Uh, throw away the Samuel Jackson one that comes no, with it. Oh, we can't throw away Sam Jackson? <laughs> Someone's got to fight the monkey. Well, yeah. I guess that's what the monsters are for. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it, those parts that the people... They just not, have awful... Yeah, they're not yeah, made very well. No. They're all like weird Walmart exclusive toys that don't look very good. Yeah. But the monsters still look cool because they're monsters and you can get away with making them probably not as good as the other things. <laughs> I guess. They're crazy designs. But. They don't, they don't, the monsters don't look bad, I'll give you that. The other human elements, weird. Yeah. Questionable. Samuel L. Jackson doesn't look like Samuel L. No. Jackson, unless you know that that's who that's supposed to be. And Even then, then it doesn't look right. Man, do they have a John Goodman one, then? I wonder oh. which one of them is John Goodman. That's a very good question. I don't think you could tell from the figures. Man. You'd have to tell you what his character name yeah, is. Have Hopefully have a picture. Him. I don't think any of them even have character names on the so bosses. Either. I think they're more supposed to be like generic army guys that might look kind of like the people in the movie, but... That's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous, Ross. Ridiculous. Ugh. Uh, Lego Batman's awesome. Have you seen that yet? I did see that. It's good stuff. I was, wasn't sure if you were going to like it or not. You know, I, the pieces I like about it are the throwbacks to other movies. Yeah, that's what I like, That's too. what I like. I, I, you know, I'll give you the rest of it's a little weird, but it's not. Crazy Super Friends reference in it? Yeah. I wasn't expecting that at all. No. It's got a lot of good, like, catches to other movies and catches the old movies. Yeah, which is so, kind of a spoilery thing. A little bit. They were cool, though, so when you see it, you'll know when it happens, for right, sure. Yeah. It's not like... If you've seen any of the other movies, then you'll understand what it is. So that was uh, cool. I liked the the very, very start of it. When he has the Let's Get Nuts playlist. Yeah. That was awesome. Crazy nonsense. And, uh... The pin- they don't show these characters, like, at all, which is kind of sad, because they made a bunch of merchandise for them and stuff, but right. the Penguin is 100% Tim Burton Penguin. Oh, yeah, the way he looks is the Dan DeVito Penguin. Yeah, yeah. and Two-Face is... Uh, Williams is Billy, Two-Face. And he's actually back to voice him for, like, one line in the whole Which thing. so but weird. That's so cool that they actually turned... I think we talked about this on the podcast before a long time ago, too. Right. They were going to have that Batman 89 comic oh, for yeah. a while where they turned 
Well, they turned Billy Dee Williams into Two-Face. Into two-face. Oh, yeah. And they used Julie, Juliette Lewis as yeah, the Catwoman. design for... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that stuff would be really cool if they did it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think... Uh, yeah, there was some cool stuff that they were going to do with that. Yeah. Not happening, which is unfortunate, but... Who knows? It's cool. Maybe they'll... At mm. some point, they'll be like, you know, people really like that Batman 89 I guess, movie. man. I guess if, ba- if Batman 66 dies off at some point, and they're, they're like, we need to bring back something else that's middle of the road. Because we got Wonder Woman <laughs> 77, mm-hmm. which has been good. Batman 66, which I really do dig. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been awesome. So I guess if both those eventually cease to be a thing, then Batman 88 makes perfect sense. I don't see why we don't just add another one anyway. Oh. Man, and we do man. that, and then eventually we can get the uh, 90s Flash as a comic book, too. Oh, gee, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> I think they were planning on doing that for a little while yeah, still, too. If so, I have no idea about it. That would be kind of cool. That seems like, no. That's, <laughs> no. We should stop. 88, okay. The Batman 88. Flash... TV series. I do think that guy is awesome as Flash. He had, the, he had one of the best Flash costumes. Mm-hmm. But I actually really liked the Flash. The yeah, 90s Flash it was TV pretty good. Show, but it was pretty good. You have to watch it for what it is, too. It's yeah, yeah, definitely... no, it's not. Yeah, it's not geared to modern, mo- modern time viewing. Yeah, but it's fantastic. Yep, awesome. I think that's all the news I have, though. Okay, so uh, Ross away. Ross away. Scamper in the night like Batman. Yep. Scamper, scamper. Scamper, scamper. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> like a damn ninja. Like a damn ninja. I don't even know where he went. I know, it's right? Crazy. Smoke bomb out of the roof, which makes no sense because the panels up on top didn't move. Yeah. I don't understand. I didn't even hear the door open he or just, close. He just appeared in the studio and they freaking disappeared. I know. Like Batman. They didn't even use a smoke bomb to disappear, so it was just weird. Well, at least we didn't have to breathe it in again. That's good. That's true. The First time around, it's terrible. hard to clean out. Alarm going off, and fire department shows up. I was coughing for like ten minutes. I know, it's terrible. All right, let's move on to books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So, Rob, you want to tell me a story about Bullseye? Is it ever bloody Bullseye? Yeah. Uh, Bullseye... Is surprisingly no joke. It definitely does say a um, parental advisory, not for kids, on the cover. And they're right. First story has been written by Ed Bryson, with artist Guillermo Sana. And then the uh, the follow-up story is being written by Marv Wolfman. <coughs> and Alex Morgan, as the artist. So we're going to be basically talking about the first one, but the, the second story is pretty cool. And I, I, I'm i a big fan of, uh, of Wolfman anyway, so... Uh, yeah, but Bullseye's been gone for a while. I mean, if, if you've been following Daredevil, you know the last time you saw him, I mean, he was completely paralyzed in this weird coffin thing, and, you know, the hand had brought him back, but they didn't bring him fully back, and, you know, so... It's kind of interesting to see him running around, and it's kind of something that they talk about a little bit in this, but they don't necessarily explain. But the beginning of the story is actually dealing with this guy who's, uh, I think he was a bookie for the mob. He worked as an accountant for the mob, and he's been uh, collected by the FBI to turn state's evidence in order for placement and uh, to be, uh, what's that, when you get... 
hidden so witness protection. Witness protection, that's the word I was looking for, yeah. yes. That's a lot of words. Put into witness protection to keep him safe from the uh gang he's about to rat out. Yeah. And Bullseye shows up basically to uh to take him out. Yeah. And uh he pretty much uh, takes out all the, the FBI agents that are guarding him without really shooting any guns, just throwing stuff. Which, I mean, that's what Bullseye does. Like, Bullseye is a lethal weapon with anything he can get his hands on. Right. A fork. Yeah. Card. Yeah. Whatever. And he winds up chasing the guy around a little bit. Um, basically telling him, you know, like, you knew this was coming. And until the guy manages to get into his own panic room. And he's like, ah, I beat you, Bullseye. You're never going to get me. Until he realized that Bullseye was already there and put a bomb in his safe house. So he was just chasing him. He wasn't, you know... He wasn't missing, he wasn't, you know... He could have killed him at any time, he just wanted him to blow up. Um, and from there, we actually wind up running into something... Like, I actually really like these ideas. And I don't think they show up enough. But, I mean, you know, they they, they don't really fit in regular stories. But we wind up falling, finding out that Bullseye has kind of a... Like an agent? Somebody who sucks up... Uh, <clears throat> Somebody who sets up ops for him and gets the, the contracts or whatever. Which makes sense, because Bullseye is not the kind of person who answers ads, really. He you know, goes he, around looking for yeah, phone calls. He, he really seems like the person who, you know, he, he's he's on jobs all the time, but we don't really ever find out how he gets them. So this was kind of cool. We kind of meet the guy who who does that for Bullseye. And basically, he's telling Bullseye, like, I don't know if I can send you on anything else, because you were supposed to take care of that one without making a lot of noise, and you blew up his damn house. Yeah, quite like, and you made a big deal of it. Yeah. And the cards on video, because here's a picture of you. Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, I just want something else. I want something that's going to be fun. And so, while the guy's looking at his job options, Bullseye picks up, like, a batch of paper clips off the table. Yeah. And he starts flicking them down into the street. And in doing so, he, like, hits a biker, a motorcycle, or, I'm sorry, a bicycler in the head. And the guy, like, pretty much just dies and runs straight into a car. And as that goes, he he continues to shoot the clips into the people who are showing up as first responders or cops or just people on the street, uh, culminating in him hitting the tire on the ambulance that goes flying into the people that are... Looky looing the uh, yeah, accident. Looking at the accident. Yeah, he gets the guy that hit them with, hit the biker with the car, the the pedal biker with the car, cyclist. That's the word. Yeah, hits yeah. the cyclist with the car. So the guy gets hit in the head or the neck with the the paperclip, and it sends him in the traffic, which then sends him in the front of the guy's car. And the guy gets out of his car to be like, "Oh, dude, are you all right?" Well, he gets paperclipped to death too. Suppose I just leaves a body count outside that just gets more and more messy as it goes. Until eventually, of course, the ambulance tire explodes while it's driving to help the would-be injured, causing it to flip and, of course, plow into a bunch of other people. So, yeah, it's pretty body count heavy, which is crazy. Yeah, especially since he was only doing it because he was bored. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a he's a psycho. He, he didn't have any reason to do it. Yeah, he is. And, yeah. You know, we've seen in the past... Yeah, Dark Avengers, you definitely see some of that. Yeah. Like, depends, depending who's writing him, but yeah, he's definitely a psychopath. Yeah, he, he can come off pretty crazy. Um, 
So from there we get into another part of this tale, which is dealing with uh, one of the FBI agent's wife, who also works for as FBI. an FBI agent. Yeah. And uh, you know, basically, we find out that the FBI doesn't want anything to do with it. They don't want to get involved in trying to hunt Bullseye because they know what that amounts to. Well, part of it's that Shill shows up and basically takes all the files on him because she's in there well, that's true, yelling too. at her boss that. She went in on the case, and he's like, there's no case. And she's like, what do you mean there's no case? Kill four of her agents. What are you talking about? Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of... S.H.I.E.L.D. stepped in and basically took it away. Yeah. But he saved saved one piece of evidence Yeah, that he winds up giving her on the sly, and is like, we mm-hmm. can't tell you to go look into this, but uh, but you look into this. <laughs> so, you know, kind of like a hard-boiled cop movie yeah. thing, you know. I can't tell you to do with your time off. You should really probably take some time off. I mean, you know, your husband's dead and everything. So I can't tell you to do while you're, you know, taking your time off. But, uh, you know, if you want to find something out, here's the guy to go see. Uh, this kind of leads to Bullseye's next job, which is, you know, he was... He has to go make contact with this guy who, who used to be a small-time drug dealer who's now become this big king, you know, drug dealer. Um, evidently the guy's son has been kidnapped by a rival gang in Colombia called the Black Knives. The Black Knives are known for kind of their sadistic torture methods, but up to this point they've been happy kind of being a middleman. Well, let, letting the, the kingpin guy, the now king drug lord, in New York basically be the the middleman. He's the guy who distributes the product and gets the product from them. Yeah. They've decided they want to cut out the middleman, which is him, and he hasn't been letting them. Um, and then eventually the son gets taken or goes to negotiate and becomes captured, and now they're threatening the son's life if dad doesn't step down. But, of course, dad doesn't want to step down because, well, he's worked real hard to make his drug empire. So, you know. Which leads him to hire Bullseye. And, uh, you know, the whole time, the contractor guy, the dad, the, the drug lord, are stressing, like, you need to do this quiet. Don't do it like this last time. Don't blow the things, you know. We just want you in and out and, and save my son. And the only reason I want you to kill him is if he's hurt my kid. But even then, like, cut a small time. Make, make it low-key. Right. And I think he probably would have. Except for before he left, he grabs his hand. And he's like, I don't want it to be like that shit show you did. Right. Make sure it's quiet. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where he he really is like, I'm going to make as much noise as possible to do this. Um, kind of the other story cuts in here where we find the FBI agent finds his contractor and she tortures uh, information out of him. Basically. And then the very final page kind of has... Uh, Bullseye being very discreet as he lands in uh, in Colombia, putting up some flyers uh, on people's bodies about uh, kind of what he's doing there. Honestly, it was it was one that uh, I didn't really have a lot of faith in what a bullseye comic would be. I think I, I think I said the same thing like when we first saw it. Like, what are you going to do with this? You know, how are you going to even do a bullseye comic? And uh, they turned it around and they made it really good. And I, I was surprised with the amount of violence and blood that we got out of the book. Oh yeah, it's definitely hardcore. Yeah. Like it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty hard hard nosed. 
a fun, I mean, cool read. Yeah. Interesting to see where the rest of it goes, but yeah, it's, he's, he's, uh, he's a mercenary, and that's straight up what the book's about. Well, it's kind of hard, because a, a lot of times when you take a villain character, uh, they tend to get a little softer on him, and make him a little bit more heroic, and that's definitely not something that they wanted to do with Bullseye. He's, he's still just a bastard. Pretty much. Uh, Rob, score for the book. I, I was really surprised with that. I, I'd give it a uh, 3.5. I enjoyed the story. I was surprised at how much killing there was in it. And kind of how dark they went with the story. So I was pretty impressed with it. And I, I think the art for both stories is pretty darn good. And of course the Marv Wolfman story in the back is really cool. Because I, I just like Marv Wolfman. Um, so yeah, 3.5 I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, I'd fall suit. I'd give it, I'd give it a 3.5, sure. I mean, as far as scores are concerned, it, it's pretty close to a four. I mean, book-wise, he's a despicable character, but this is a pretty good read. And, like, set up, even the, even the backup story has some really cool catches in it that are, like, that's pretty smart. Like, some of the, the backup story is definitely worth it, too. I mean, there's, there's a point where he kills somebody with something you would never, ever think that you could use to kill somebody. But it's kind of brilliant the way he does it, and funny. So, like, setup-wise, I think the main story is, is pretty good. The backup was good. I don't know if every issue will have a backup or not, but as far as series is concerned, I'm interested to see where the rest of it goes. I mean, for it being a six-part, you, I mean, you kind of have an idea where the book's heading, but the weird turns in the middle and how we got there is freaking crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I give it three Navals. Like, it's good, it's good stuff. Good stuff. And I kind of wonder if they're going to explain why he's back. Or if I just missed that somewhere, because it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Marvel, so... Now, as far as, like, him showing back up on the scene, the main reason he made his face get caught on the camera was so people would know he was back. Yeah. And he true. makes a big deal of that when he's at his agent's office. It's true. Yeah, pretty interesting read, an interesting uh, dynamic, I think. So that was pretty cool. Um, okay, so, uh... Queso's cheese. <laughs> um, so before we move on to that woman... Uh, number one, let's go and do our first question for the episode. Or qu- is that what it is? Quest- quiz question? Yeah. Quiz question sure. for the episode. There you go. So, Rob, what's the first question? Uh, first question is going to be about Bullseye. A few years ago, Bullseye had his spine augmented. What metal did they use to augment his spine? Bum, bum, bum. That's question one. In case you didn't. With the yeah, yeah that was a question one, sorry. Let's no, that's good. that first. You may have said it and I didn't remember. No, I don't think it did. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, all right, so, <laughs> man, uh, Batwoman number one, this Batwoman rebirth. This, uh, this This particular book is written by uh, Marguerite Bennett and uh, James Tavolian, and the artist on it is uh, Steve Epting. They kind of started this stuff over in Detective Comics. Previous two issues have been Batwoman-flavored to get to this book. I don't feel like you need to read them to move on to this, but it was a pretty cool little setup. I mean, they kind of touch on it in this book again. This particular issue, like, where we pick up, it's in progress and kind of gives us, like, a catch-up on the character. So if you never read any of the previous stuff, you could probably start here and be okay. I mean, it's not super in-depth for certain pieces, but as far as, like, a catch-up on who she is, it does her pretty good. Um, the first page we open up on, we see her at age nine... Uh, there's a shot of her at age 20, and there's a shot of her at age 27, and then a shot that's supposed to be her in the future, and uh, then a shot of her at age 23. But as far as the first, like, little section, we start out when she's a kid, and each of these 
time jumps correlate with one of the ages. So this is supposed to be when her and her sister are both together. Uh, in case you didn't know, Batwoman has a twin sister. And uh, we open up with two of them going to what seems to be like a birthday lunch, maybe? Because they're talking about uh, making sure they get enough candles for the girls and uh, how they want to go for chocolate and waffles. And as they're driving, Mom informs the girls, that, oh yeah, your father's going to try to be there, and I know you girls are talking in that secret language of yours, but I can still understand what you're talking about. And about that time, um, they get hit by a truck. And that leads to a whole bunch of guys in black ski masks kidnapping them and presumably killing the driver, because the guy driving is not of any consequence, I guess. We go from there to uh, a whole bunch of blacked boxes, which basically have words being said in it, and you've got an internal monologue of Kate um, when she's when she's like 12. And you hear her mother talking, and her monologue to herself is, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And then eventually we hear a gunshot, and uh, time passes, and the next thing you know, we have a whole group of military men coming in the room to save them, and we see what appears to be her mother tied up with a bag over her head and a bloody mess on the front side of it. We assume the military men took out all the thugs that are laying around the floor, and then uh, we have uh, someone carry her out, and uh, in a military fatigues as well, and it turns out to be her father. And then we see a shot of what looks to be the sister on the floor, um, also in a puddle of blood. From there, we jump forward uh, several years. She's joined West Point, which is what Dad was, a military man. And she's in there fighting her, her trainer, and the two of them are sparring with each, with each other. And there's some there's some joke, jokey-type girl stuff going on. And uh, we get a shot of what looks to be Dad looking on, and him not being entirely impressed with her. Then we make another jump to where she's age 22, and she's at a, a party out on a uh, yacht, getting drunk, just being crazy. And uh, there's a batch of people whispering about her getting kicked out of the military. And we kind of go over that for a second, not like specifics. Specifics. There you go. And we jump back and forth between that scene and the, and the party, and we kind of see that whatever's happened in the military to disarray her um, has her out gallivanting around as a drunken party girl. Um, eventually that leads to the reveal of, of her, her gender preference um, as far as sexuality is concerned, uh, because she's gay. And uh, that leads to be probably what the whole military thing was about, is what they make us believe. And granted, in older books, we've seen more of this. So it's kind of a catch-up over the character. Yeah. So it doesn't get super heavy into it, but we jump from there to another relationship she has where she's living with a woman in the islands who's, uh appears to be a very wealthy woman. And uh, we kind of go over their relationship and how she constantly wakes up with nightmares of being kept by gunmen and that whole fear of not being able to breathe. And eventually that leads us back to Gotham. And when she's in Gotham, she uh, goes back to her out-in-the-bar, Floozian-type ways, and she runs into... Montoya, Renee Montoya, which uh, from previous books we also know that for a while her and Renee were connected. Renee's a Gotham PD um, officer. And uh, that romance ran its course for quite a while until Renee turned into somebody else too. And then eventually we have an evening where she's attemptedly mugged and saved by Batman. And at that point she has a change in her life of what she wants to be. And she basically decides she's going to become a crime fighter just like Batman and goes to her father to get training and starts 
basically having the Bruce Wayne experience, training in a bunch of different places, a bunch of different martial arts, a bunch of different styles. But she picked her own focus, and she decides she wants to be like Batman, but without all the Batman uh, complica- complicatedness of Batman, the complexity of Batman. Because Batman plays by a bunch of rules, and she doesn't want to play by the rules. Um, then we get a little brief overview of her when she ran around with the Justice League for a little bit. Well, with Wonder Woman, I guess. They had a crossover. Yeah. Introduced to the new... Meet, meet her, join up with Batman. Then we rejoin them at the end of the book, where she currently was in Detective Comics, working with Batman as one of his acolytes in the Detective Comics team book. Because Detective has been running around with a team group around her right now. Well, more recently. And then uh, that leads to the end of the Monster Men crossover. And they, they talk about that, because the... Monster Man was basically a chemical that was being sold in the black market and used to transform people into monsters. And he, Batman's talking to her and tells her that he, a bunch of it got taken and is going to be listed on the black market. And he, it, the way it paints the picture, it's almost like she's been asked by Batman to go undercover to go after these people. And then we get a crazy close. It's this jump to the future. And it's hard to say exactly what we're seeing. I mean, you can see image-wise. If I tell you what the image is, that just spoils it. So I'm going to stop. Um, then we get another flash page at the end that has a very J.H. Williams style, which I think is what they're aiming for. Um, like the shape of part of her logo, and then a bunch of things unfolding inside the logo. So, like, things to come. Score-wise, I mean, I give the book a, th- I give the book a three. I mean, it's written well. If you've never read that one before, you can pick up here and start. It's a really good, what I would call technically a zero issue. Uh, the real number one comes out next month. Uh, I want to say March, I think, 15th. Uh, is the date that I originally posted, and granted, that may shift, you know. World of the Comics, dates are only sort of dates. Yeah. I mean, the art's pretty good, the story's pretty... The story's cool, I and mean, it's a real... She has, like, seven volumes of material, if you don't count the straight Detective Comics volumes. Because there's Effigy, which is pieces from Detective Comics, and then there's the six volumes of her New 52 run, and you kind of get a little bit of all that in this book, including pieces with the sister... Whether you understand it's a sister or not. So. You mean six trades? Six trades. Yes, okay. that's what I mean. Six volumes. Excuse me. Not issues, but volumes. No, you're. you're, you're yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I give it three. Rob, score for the book. I, I was getting confused because usually the volume I was thinking is when you end the whole series. No, no, no. And I was going to say, like, eh, I don't know if it's quite that far along, is it? But Yeah. It's six trades. Oh. So. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I'd... Either way, yeah, I'd uh, I'd follow suit. I'd give it a three as well. I felt like this was a really good catch-up issue, and I, I liked that they kind of followed the J.H. Williams look. I don't know if they're going to continue to do that for the regular series, but Batwoman is a fantastic character, and it's it's one that really I hope people will, will jump onto because she's really a great standalone character. And the only thing that really ties her to Batman is is the bat in her name, and that's it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great read. It's a great catch-up. Um, I'm really excited to see them roll out the first regular issue of it and kind of get a real good idea where they're going with the story. So. Yeah, I think number one will kick off with new material and, like, the start of whatever this series is going to be about. But the issue one, or issue one rebirth number one... Real good catch-up for the character. Yeah. I'm surprised they're doing that still. What do you mean, the rebirths? They're doing, like, a, a, an additional number one. People love number ones, Rob. Well, that's true. Unless you're Harley Quinn, then you only get one. 
One and done, son. No? I guess you only need one if you're Hurley. Oh, hey, there you go. That's a, okay. Whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't know if every book gets it or not, but Batwoman kind of needed it, especially if you've never read her before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of material there. It's true. Anyway, um, uh, so another question, Rob? Uh, we can. Okay. Sure. Uh, question number two. Which character in comic continuity, if you say the name backwards, do they disappear? That's it. That's that's the question. It's like there's no there's no piece of leading me. I know. Sometimes questions are questionable. No? Yeah. <laughs> so damn funny. Okay, so let's move on to John Carter. The end. Which should have been done as the last book, but because it's an independent book, it's in the middle. So how you like that, people? They couldn't it could have still been in the end. No. No, it can't. Because it's happening right now. Oh, well. Take, take that, you and your beliefs. Yeah, John. Right. Yeah. Carter. Yeah. If that is your real name. Um, okay, <laughs> man. So, uh, this is written by uh, Brian Wood and Alex Cox. Uh, art is by Hayden Sherman. Uh, this is coming out from Dynamite Comics, in case you were, were not aware. Um, so, we pick this up in, uh, from the opening spot. We uh, we join Deja Thoris, and she is uh, on Titan, the planet Titan, mm-hmm. and uh, she is uh, at a gravesite, basically paying respect to the gravesite. And uh, from there, we wind up seeing a ship in the sky, and uh, that alerts her, and so she takes off running, chasing where the ship should be, and we see her come down the side of a, a giant rock wall, like on a rope. And uh, climbing to this crack that looks like a set of windows or grates. And from there she grabs a uh, rifle, uh, like a giant like sniper-type rifle thing. And uh, she takes bead from inside the uh, shutter on the ship and starts shooting at it. Uh, from there we see her shoot the ship a couple times and the ship starts to crash. And we cut to a shot of uh, John, who is also standing with a weapon, and he begins to shoot at the ship as well. About that time, the ship comes down. It doesn't crash-crash, but it doesn't land happy. And about that time, we have a batch of the uh, the aliens of Mars climb out. The green... The green... Uh, green Martians. Green Martians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're asking for John Carter. And uh, they're not met very well by John or by Deja. And... Uh, they tell him Barzoom is dying, which, if you're not familiar with John Carter, Barzoom is the city in Mars that Deja Thoris is from, and... Yeah, it's like one of their capital cities. It's one of their cities. capital cities. Uh, anyway, so, uh, from there, there's a little arguing between the groups, between John and Deja and uh, the folks that are there to see him, and uh, the guys that are there to see him remove their war masks, and we see their crazy teeth alien faces, which is kind of awesome. And they're like, we need to talk. We need to talk to you. And John's like, how'd you find us? Like, what are you doing here? Can we please talk? We we need your help. And so they convince Deja and John to talk with them. And uh, as they're talking to him, they say, it's hard to talk to you with seeing your face. And Deja's like, what's that about? And John's like, "Mm -hmm." because he doesn't have an answer for it. 
So, uh, anyway, we join Dejanel and, and, uh, John in their home with, with one of the green aliens. And, uh, first John starts asking, like, how'd you find us? How'd you know we were here? No one knows we're here. And, uh, he, uh, he makes him aware that Tel- Tars Tarkas, yeah. the, uh, the first green alien to befriend John, basically revealed to him where they were because he's of same family lineage. It's like same tribe. And uh, John's like, oh, he betrayed us? He's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, things are a mess, man. And uh, he plays them this hollow cube, like this uh, video, kind of like Princess Leia style, like R2-D2 Princess Leia style, except from a little disc thing. And the guy we see, he looks an awful lot like John, but young. And that makes Deja lose her freaking mind. And she basically runs out of the room, super, super pissed and upset. And John follows her, and he starts asking, and she, and she starts talking to him, and she's like, he's alive. How is he alive? He's like, Ugh, the body that, that we buried. She goes, who have I been, what, what grave have I been visiting for the last several years, like, and praying to and visiting? If it's not him, who is it? What is it? And so John reveals to us that when Deja and him originally left, um, and made the appearance of their son's death, he lied to her because the son had killed one of the village boys and had no remorse and no one to stop, and he knew if that got out that it would be problems for all of them. So he sent the son away to live in the city of Brazun without them, and the two of them moved away to obscurity, and he let her believe the lie that he had died from an accident. And she's like, I can't believe you, John. I can't believe you lied to me. He's like, it's been so hard for me to keep this secret from you. And she's like, no, this, we, we need to go take care of this problem. So they basically decide to team up with the green aliens and head to Bazoom, or Barzoom. Um, of course, as they fly, uh, John is uh, in no happy situation with, with Deja, and Deja's still super pissed at him. He makes her aware that once we get there, he may not be the same son you remember, because the hate in his eyes is something I couldn't shake. And so, uh, from there, they enter the city, and as they get into airspace on Barzoon Mars, the pilot tells them this could get bumpy, and they're like, what do you mean? Next thing you know, there's cannons shooting at them in the, in the landing area, or in the, in the air, which brings the ship down, and, uh, after they get out of the crashed ship, they wind up seeing one of the giant buildings with a giant tapestry knitted of their sun hanging off, like, the, the throne building. Deja's like, he's ruling this place like an emperor. And the, the green aliens tell him, we have to go. They're going to send a unit to, to inspect the crash. We have to go. And Tars Tarkin shows up, and he's like, hey, John, it's good to see you. Deja didn't come? He's like, no, no, she's here with me. And starts looking around, and next thing you know, Deja's gone. And she's off running towards wherever. And John yells after her, and that's kind of where we leave it. Assuming the idea that she's running to where the sun is with no idea what kind of monster the sun may have become. So, uh, interesting hook place, um, just because now they're both on basically a unwanted world, because the world doesn't want them there anymore. And John and her, the way the sun must feel about it is that he was abandoned, I'd assume. But at the same time, I mean, he's an evil dictator, so... Eh? Um, I, I don't know, I give it two and a half. I mean, the art's a little simple, kind of, kind of raw, Story's pretty fun. I mean, I I didn't read a lot of the Deja Thor's standalone books. I read quite a bit of the Warlord of Mars stuff. And I read some of the White Apes and some of the, uh, I 
Mars. There was another one. Warriors of Mars? Yeah. So, I, the story of the sun, I don't exactly know where that happened, and if it was in the previous series or not, because there was a batch in there I didn't read. For a, a miniseries, dealing with the two of them and their son and trying to rail that in, pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I'd give it a two and a half. I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. Um, I know they did a series with his son. I kind of feel like this is like an offshoot branch, like they're going a different direction. Because it seemed like most of the time his son was pretty much just another like him, you know. He was enhanced a bit like John was, so he wasn't just a red Martian. Uh, but I mean, if one of the things that's been keeping you from checking out a John Carter book is their clothes, like the design form has been reworked in this too, and so they seem more barbaric than, you know, what, what we saw in the previous runs for Warlords of Mars. Yeah, it's a little more Conan-esque. I mean, as far as outfits are concerned, I mean, they both are wearing, I guess she has like a wrap she wears, and he's got more of a, I don't know, kind of like a kilt. I mean, it's not really a kilt, yeah. but that's kind of how it looks, like very uh, Braveheart. Yeah. But it's, it's a little bit more than than in the previous series. Previous books, there's a lot yeah. more skin. Which, I mean, honestly, once you start reading them, you just forget it, because it's it's everywhere. So right. you, it doesn't even, it isn't even a thing, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd give it a two. I, I like the idea of where the story's going. Like you said, I, I kind of wish there was a little bit of a tighter artist working on it, but Brian Wood has been traditionally a very, very good writer, so... Oh, yeah. I'm really interested. We did a whole batch of that. Like, I think the last book we talked about of his... No, there's been a couple since then. But one of his great series was that last Dark Horse series uh, for Star Wars. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And yeah, he, he's, a, he's a good writer. He was, he was also writing one of the X-Men series. Yeah. So, as far as that, I mean, good writer. As far as series, I mean, it's an interesting take on what's happening. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes, I guess. Okay. Uh, so, we want to do one more trivia question? Okay, um, we did two. Okay, do we want to do it now, or do we want to wait? Let's do it we do it after this book. So let's move on to the next book. Uh, next book we're going to be doing is Super Sons, number one. Rob, you want to tell me a story about uh, John and Damien? Yeah, sure. Um, we got the... We got the writer as uh, Peter J. Tomasi. Right. And then art is from George Jimenez? Jimenez. Or is it Juan Jimenez? I know it's Jimenez now, but like, I don't know the first name. George. George Jimenez. George Jimenez. George Jimenez. <clears throat> Jimenez. the guy writing Batman Robin and stuff. Yeah. So take that part again. Alright, so we have the writer as Peter Tomasi, and then the artist as George Jimenez. Mm-hmm. And um, we kind of start the story with a with a prologue, and then a jump to the future. Yeah, which is kind of a little interesting. The prologue, without really getting into it, uh, it kind of reminds me of the Twilight episode with the kid who could send you into the cornfield. <laughs> so they got this kid who's kind of like making demands, and it seems like the family can't resist his demands. But when they pull away, it almost appears as if it's like a. Like them shooting a television show. Some weird TV show, yeah. Yeah. Um, but when we catch up with Damien and Jonathan, they're kind of running through the forest, and Damien's being uh, kind of pulled along, piggyback style. 
and they're running away from something, and John is kind of upset with Damien because he didn't tell him exactly what they were getting into. And Damien's like, well, I gave you all the information. And he's like, well, no, you didn't. He's like, well, I, I gave you all that you needed. And so they decide to, like, turn around and fight. And what we see is chasing them is evidently, like, robot versions of Damien and Robin. Damien and John? Yeah. Sorry, Robin and Superboy, I guess. Well, Damien and John, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a whole a horde of them. Yeah. Like a whole bunch of little Damien robots and a whole bunch of little Superboy robots. Kind of crazy, but awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get back to where our story starts, which is, I guess is two days prior from, to the woods. Yes. From from the woods, and it's kind of a typical day for John. He's going to school, and he's got one of his friends that uh, the other kids pick on because he's a black kid in Kansas. Oh my gosh! And John kind of stands up and tries to do the right thing. He kind of has a Superman moment, but it's a uh, just. Kid shooting spitballs on him. Just bounce off his face. Uh, but the the confrontation doesn't end there. It, it continues, I guess, at the end of the day, where they wind up having this impromptu snowball fight. And uh, about quarter way through it, the kids that were bullying the the black kids start loading rocks inside of their snowballs. Right. They wind up beaming them in the head, and he's like bleeding. And you can tell that John's, like, ready to do something, but he realizes that, you know, he really can't. Because the kid's trying to load up, like, heavier rocks. And for a second, it looks like Damon, or it looks like Jonathan's going to use his heat vision. You know, like, he has that moment where He's he, he could do the it. right thing or he could do the wrong thing. And we kind of see the, I guess, the anguish of his duality. Right. You know, because Superman, Superman doesn't have to take any guff, ever. Right. But he chooses to. Yeah. Not because, you know, he, he doesn't need to, but because, you know, he he wants to be a better person. And we kind of see that still instilled in Jonathan. Right. But before they can huck these bigger stone rocks, or big stones with the... Snowballs snowball. with stones and yes. stones in them, yeah. Uh, this giant snowball comes and rolls off the roof and collides on top of them. And they look up and they see it's the uh, the substitute bus driver who dropped all this snow on him. And John goes running around the building to find him, and we wind up finding out that the substitute bus driver is actually Damien in disguise. Dun-dun-dun. Evidently, Damien's been spying on him all day, posing as both the bus driver and a substitute teacher. <laughs> in kind of this uh, like little stilt-shoe get-up. Crazy rubber masks. Yeah. Awesome. And so it was kind of like this weird little thing where uh, Damien kind of plays it off like, oh, I just wanted to see how the other half lived. and But he's, he's really technically, he's, he's spying on yeah, he's spying John, on John for some yeah. reason. Mostly because I guess he wants to take him out on some kind of mission, but um, in the end we catch up with Damien back in Gotham, and Batman's getting ready to head out. And Damien rushes to follow him just to find out that Batman's like, no, you haven't been keeping up with your studies, so you can't go out and be Robin if you're not keeping your word, you know, to to do the schoolwork that you're supposed to do. And we know Damien evidently knows this stuff. He's had all these tutors back when he was a part of the uh, the Brotherhood. League of Assassins? The League of Assassins, yeah. Yeah. So he's already, like, genius-level kid, and all the stuff that Alpha's going over with him, he feels like it's stuff he already knows. 
But at the same time, he promised he'd do it, so Batman's like, no, no. You do your schoolwork, and then uh, I'm going to go do Batman stuff. Batman away! Yeah, pretty much. And so we kind of, we see that relationship, and then we catch up with uh, Jonathan. And kind of see the difference in how their their relationships are. Where Batman's not like he doesn't have time for Damien, he just has a different approach. Where Superman and Lois have kind of a more open family relationship with them. Of course, though, you know, I don't think at this point John is really going out and being Superboy unless Superman's around. But we kind of have this whole conversation about what happened that day and how they, uh, how he handled it. And basically, like, Clark's super impressed with him. was like, that's what I would do, you know. Now, now you know the kind of the troubles with being who we are. And that, you know, he he, he doesn't just do that, though. He, he says... What was it? it was kind of like a, it's sort of an important thing. He basically tells him, like, by standing up for this kid, you've shown other people that they can do that too. And eventually, you know, if you keep standing up for these people, they'll stand up for themselves, and then the bullies will not be, they won't have the power over people any longer. Which is kind of, you know, a big part of, like, Superman's whole thing. Is, you know, oh, if you set the example... Right. People will follow it. They just need somebody to lead the way sometimes. But Superman has to go, so, you know, up and away, and he takes off. And Lois sends him to bed. And just about as he's about to go to sleep, he realizes there's somebody in his room, which is, of course, Damien. Snuck into his room. <laughs> he wants him to go out and uh, do this mission with him, since uh, Superman can... Patrol Metropolis from ever so many miles away. It's okay that they go to to Gotham, I think it was. No, I think they went to Metropolis. They went to Metropolis. Yeah. But uh, he wants them to come out on his mission, and he kind of guilt trips him into going. And tease him a little bit about 9 o'clock bedtime, Superboy. <laughs> yeah. Sort of tease him a little bit. And so we kind of have this cool thing where they get to Metropolis, and we have like a Ella Frank Miller lightning scene, which yeah, is pretty cool. pretty cool. And we kind of learn a little bit about, you know, what, what abilities they have, because Superboy can't fly yet. Right. They have this whole thing talking about, oh, well, I, I can still jump like this, I could just, I could carry you on my back, and Robin being like, no, no, that'll never happen. Which we already seen that happen. Yeah. Um, but they wound up kind of going on their own little mission to investigate something going on at LexCorp. And there's kind of a big catch at the end of it, which will sell what this next story is. The bigger thing for me, because I like stupid shit that's just in the book. If you look really closely, uh, John's pajamas are boxing frogs. Like the Ninja Turtles. But instead, boxing frogs. That's the big catch I took away from it. Ridiculous. Since boxing frogs exist in D.C. Oh, my God. Which is awesome. <laughs> um, but they, they do a great job of building these characters' relationship with each other. They don't have kind of the animosity that I I kind of would expect from them. You know, they, they seem to have a more uh, well-rounded working relationship, I think. The boys? Yeah. Now, I mean, this is technically their third adventure together, really. I mean, if you think about the other two issues being in 
Superman. And, and, yeah, and Superman in action comics. So it's not their first time out doing things, but as far as, like, a dynamic, I mean, it's very odd couple like, the way they approach things. Hmm. Uh, score for Book Rob? Uh, I'd give it a four. I actually really liked it. I've been looking forward to Super Sons for a while. Yeah, me too. And I'm, it's, it's sad that it's taken this long to come out. But I think it's I think it was the right way to go because it doesn't feel like it's demored from a lot of other stories. A lot of times when there's a problem and it doesn't come out on time, it feels like something didn't fit. Yeah, they're they're still working on something in the past. Yeah, like this book doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But it also feels very much like it's on its own little island. You know, I mean, whatever's taking place here is not necessarily connected to anything else. Yeah, at least story wise. I mean, at some point we might see a crossover with Superman. I mean. Yeah. But Peter DeMossi, the guy writing both those, which I think is why they started, just like Detective started the Batwoman story, mm-hmm. basically in Detective. This started Super Sons, basically in Superman. Yeah. So, as far as setup, I mean, yeah, it, it kind of comes from one book to the other book. Do you need the two Superman issues to understand this book? No. But it shows you that Damien's been doing this for a minute. Yeah. And it gives you a couple other pieces, which is pretty cool. Um... Yeah, score-wise, I you know I give it a four and a half. It was pretty freaking good. Um, we kind of fanboy Peter Tomasi anymore, just because his Superman or his, his Green Lantern core stuff was great back I don't know what ten years ago. His Batman Robin for all new Fifty Two was awesome. Yeah. Um, his Superman Wonder Woman great. So the dude's a good writer. Um, regardless of who he's teamed with, he's a good writer. And as far as like art, the art in this book is really cool, and I do dig the uh, the two covers we got it. The variant cover by uh, Dustin Nguyen, and we got the uh, normal cover by John Boy Myers, which I think is awesome. Um, it is still a little confusing what's happening at the very, very beginning of stuff, but, yeah, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, whatever. Oh, that's not the right name for the cover. Oh, John Boy? Yeah, that's not who it is. Oh. Jimenez and Sanchez, I guess. Cover Dustin Nguyen... Okay, so let me do that. Okay, Steve, hopefully you can figure this out. Okay, so uh, I mean, we kind of fanboy Peter Tomasi, um, or fanboy Tomasi a lot on the show. Uh, I mean, all of his, his Green Lantern core stuff was great, and I, I mean, that was like 10 years ago, and it was awesome. Um, it, all the New 52 Batman Robin stuff. His Superman Wonder Woman. I mean, the dude's a great writer, regardless of who he's teamed with. I mean, the covers on it are awesome. We got the uh, variant Dustin Nguyen cover, and then the uh, the regular cover, which is uh, Jimenez and Sanchez, and it, it's great, too. I mean, as far as covers, they're both kind of awesome. Uh, art inside's great. As far as being a fun book, I mean, it's it's fun. The weird mask situation with Damien, and just the random rubber masks he has to do whatever, kind of awesome. Um... So yeah, the whole thing about him being smart, I mean, at one point John's like, so you just taught American history for, as a substitute for no reason? How do you know American history at all? He's like, oh, I had a tutor, and I would have I would have graduated had my mom not killed my tutor. He's like, really? Oh, oh, oh really? Ah, okay. So like, the, the dynamic between the two of them is really pretty cool. Whether Damien just really wants a friend that's the same age, or whether he's really there to spy on John, it's hard to say what the truth is. But as far as like a fun book, it's pretty freaking good, and I definitely, definitely dug it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we've been waiting for that one for a minute, just because it, the advertising of it came back whenever Rebirth was first announced, I think. And so, like, getting to it's been awesome. So super, super psyched for it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely pays off. I mean, it's it's one that, like I said, we 
we've been kind of waiting on, and so I, I feel like it's a total success right out the bat. So. Right. All right. Uh, so that leads us to our third question, Rob. Yes. So yes. our third uh, quiz question is? Sure. Okay. Third quiz question. question number three. There you go. <laughs> um, there actually was a Super Sons book put out by DC before. So what we're looking for is the year of the first Super Sons books, or book series. Correct. Yes. All right. Uh, so now I move on to Deadpool number 27. This is from the uh, current series, which I think is volume 5, I think. Yeah, you're right. Volumes are wrong with the way to say that. Trades, volumes. I think this is a volume. Yeah, I see what you were confused earlier with my nonsense. I'm pretty sure it's volume 5. Uh, don't quote me on that, I guess. Use internet. Uh, anyway, uh, this is written by Jerry Duggan. <laughs> Not that helps, because he's written a lot of Deadpool books. Uh, art, um, art in this particular issue is Sean Isaacs and uh, Salva Espin. Or es- Espin? Yeah, I think that's how you say it, Espin. Uh, covers by David Lopez. Uh, I believe Sean Isaacs is the guy from Stray. Uh, for those coming out from Action Lab about a year and a half ago, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I think. I Don't quote me. I'm pretty sure that's true, though. Anyhow, uh, so we pick up with Deadpool. Um, good thing about Deadpool is they have an introductory page, which kind of gives you a little itty-bitty catch-up. This particular issue is very standalone-ish, because uh, it's not connected necessarily to the previous story. Um, but when we open up, uh, what we find is we find three fellas dressed very Captain American-like um, at the Lincoln Memorial, um, kind of making a mess of things. And uh, calling Captain America out. And uh, as they're talking, one of, one of them is talking about, oh, we made it back. Oh, we finally made it back. And one was flying around shooting lightning. The other one's a big, strong, muscly dude with almost an Iron Man chest piece, looks like. And uh, we find Phil Coulson there, uh, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's calling Captain America in because, well, they're asking for Cap. And say that they're, they'll only release their hostages for Captain America. And so about that time, while Phil was talking to Cap, we had a shot of Cap um, basically working out in the Cap dojo, I guess, or the Cap training room. Um, And we see the nice uh, painted uh, Hydra symbol on his chest, because it's still during that time frame where Cap's broken in the head in his Hydra. And he's like, I'll be there soon, Coulson. Just keep, just hold him there and I'll be there pretty soon. And then he makes a call to Deadpool. He says, uh, we're going to have to reschedule, Wade. I was like, i got something i got to take care of. Which, at that point, we joined Deadpool hanging from a tree in a parachute. With folks taking pictures at him. Who he tells promptly that uh, they better get their pictures and get out of there. Because otherwise he's going to make him do shish kebab. And he pulls out his swords and he cuts himself down. And as he's talking to Steve, he says, well, I'm already on the ground, Steve. So uh, I'll just meet you wherever you're going. And uh, Captain doesn't seem super happy about that. But at the same time, he doesn't tell him no. Um, so from there, Deadpool winds up joining Phil Coulson at the Lincoln Memorial, and he asks Phil, like, what are these guys doing? He's like, well, they have hostages, and we've got to wait for Captain America to show up so we can take care of this. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I, you know, I guess I won't kill anybody. And Coulson's like, oh, how does anybody deal with you, man? And, uh, from there, we cut to Steve, who's now joined our, uh, other would-be Captain Americans, and, uh, they seem to be surprised they actually showed up. And, uh, one of them tells the other one to charge him up, 
And they basically go after Steve, and uh, in the process, of course, causing destruction to the Lincoln Memorial. And the whole time they're talking to each other, one of them yells at Captain America about being from the future, and uh, they're going to stop him from ruining America. Which of course, Coulson and Deadpool are like, what? You guys are crazy. And uh, that turns into a battle, and of course, uh, Steve is... Uh, is fighting, fighting him as Coulson starts getting all the hostages out of the way. And Deadpool's like, oh, I'll help you, Steve. And so he gets in the middle of the fight, and uh, the really big guy who jumps jumps at Cap to smash him, and Deadpool gets in the middle and basically stabs the dude through the chest with two swords. And he's like, oh, it's only a scratch. It's only a scratch, right? And uh, then he looks at Steve, and he's like, I thought he had invulnerability. And uh, Steve's like, uh, yeah, Wilson, let's try, let's try to keep the other one alive. And, uh, of course, that freaks out the flying lightning guy who shoots lightning at Steve and causes a little bit of a problem. And he tells the other guy with the, the A tattoo on his forehead to charge him all the way up. He says, you knew this was a one-way trip when we got here, brother. And so he starts feeding him power till he basically explodes. And in the process, it seems like he takes out Captain America, but he's Captain America. So the first guy, the one who charged him up, was like, yeah, all right, we took him out. And about that time, Steve wakes up. And he freaks out and starts running. And then from there, Phil Coulson takes off after the guy. And Deadpool looks at the guy who's been burnt into ashes, makes a couple of Deadpool jokes, of course, and then decides to head off after them also. And we see that Steve's already left, chasing the guy. So in the process, Phil Coulson puts on a set of sunglasses that are, have, like, an x-ray ability to him, And he basically scans the guy looking for weapons and heart rate and tries to see, you know, if he has any other powers or what's going on. And he puts his glasses away and chases after him. About that time, he runs into Steve. And uh, as he starts yelling at Steve about how he's disrespected America and he's ruined America, that's when he mentions the Secret Empire. We see Steve's eyes turn from, I don't know, normal to evil. And, uh, and he ducks behind his shield and he says, Deadpool, gun! And about that time, Deadpool hoses the dude with bullets. And he's like, Tango down! Clear left! And Captain America's like, no, no, clear right. And he steps out to the right. And Coulson comes running over. And now Steve's leaning over the guy. And he's like, oh, he's, he's gone. He's already dead. And Phil Coulson's like, Cap, he wasn't even... And he cuts himself off because when, when Cap stands up, you see that there's a gun magically in the guy's hand. And we know that he wasn't carrying a gun earlier because Coulson did the scan on him to see if he had a weapon. And so Phil stops. And he looks at Cap... And he's almost in disbelief because he can't believe what he thinks he just saw. And Cap's like, everything all right, Coulson? He's like, oh, no, no, it's it's fine. I was just going to say it's uh, he's not, not going to be a problem anymore. And he smiles with a stupid smile. And in his head, he says, you've never been good at a poker face, Coulson. And Steve puts his shoulder in the back. And uh, about that time, Deadpool gets a call from the wife, uh, which, if you know what's happening in the next batch of books, uh, Deadpool and the wife are going to have a weird split up. So I guess we'll see how that goes. But he tells Cap he has to go. And Cap's like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll meet whenever the chaos is over. And so Coulson's left there with the dead body and the gun, and he's replaying it to himself in his head, trying to figure out if what he saw really happened, because he can't believe that Captain America planted a gun on a guy just to let Deadpool kill him, and why Steve wanted him dead. And so that leads to Coulson finally leaving the, uh, the site of the incident, and he goes and visits an old holdover from the Nick Fury days, the original Nick Fury, like an old uh, hideout. And he basically starts building information to figure out what he may or may not have seen and what exactly is going on. 
Because the cap he ran into today and dealt with today is not the cap he knows. Um, we'll leave it there because we get a cool reveal on the last page. So this may be the very first chapter leading to Secret Empire. Um, I kind of think it really sneakily hidden in Deadpool because up to this point, nobody else has noticed. Mm-hmm. So uh, good on you guys. Awesome place to hide it. I mean, of all books, like Deadpool. Uh, Issue-wise, I mean, it's a pretty quick read. It's interesting pieces in it, and I like the Phil Coulson chase around. Um, I, I give it a three. I mean, it was a fun book. I do think it's really cool where they have this being like the first stepping stone to maybe something being wrong. Where that's going to bridge to, no idea. But everywhere else, no one else knows, except for us, the reader, of course. Because yeah. we know all too well. Painted tattoo nonsense. Hail Hydra! Yeah! The internet goes crazy for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really too bad that they haven't stayed on it, because, I mean, now this is this is the payoff. Yeah. And honestly, I think... I'm glad that Marvel corrected it, but I almost wish they hadn't. What do you mean? Well, you know, you remember when Superior Spider-Man happened, and the, the world went nuts, and unfortunately, there was death threats involved, and that was not cool. But it did make that story have a lot of weight because we all thought Pete was gone for good. And this was just the new reality. Even though, you know, now that it's all done, we know from the writer that this was never going to be, you know, the permanent reality. They just didn't want to say that. Right. You know? Um, so with Cap and the Hell Hydra thing, I mean, it was explained pretty thoroughly in the next couple issues. Right. See what you really love that hang more? Maybe they really kept going crazy? You know, it may have kept more focus on Cap. Maybe. But at the same time, you know, they, they caught so much of a storm because of that whole thing. Maybe they felt like it was, you know, you, you had to clear it up really fast. Yeah. They had a lot of folks with the Not My Captain America going on on their Facebooks and their Twitters. Yeah. Not My Captain America. <laughs> I always thought that was because they didn't like uh, Sam. Well, there's that too. You damn racist. <laughs> a bunch of bunch of bigots. <laughs> Just because he's a color fellow. <laughs> Sorry. Man, there's there's weird flack with that book too. Cut that out. Whatever. Well, there was a lot of politics. Actually, I, I initially I thought the politics were good. Because I, I hate to say I was reading the books and being like, man, the Serpent Society doesn't sound so crazy right now. Even though what they were saying was pretty crazy. Um, but regardless, I, I, this this Secret Empire thing, hopefully Marvel will get just all behind it and really make it their big thing instead of trying to do all of these side stories at the same time. But yeah, I'm sure it's going to be this summer. I'm pretty sure it'll be the summer event. I think yeah. we've probably said that on the episode before. Did you have a score for that book? Did you get one yet? Oh, I don't think I have. Um, you score it and then we'll move forward with more blah, 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 blah. Did you score it? Yes. Okay. I, I gave it th- three. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I give it a 3.5. I actually, I really like that they gave Coulson this. And it'll be neat to see what they're going to do with that. Now, I, we finally have to, like, let go of the idea that they're going to bring back old Nick Fury. But they're finally doing something with Nick Fury Jr. that makes him kind of stand out. Even though they're kind of making him follow the same path as the old Nick Fury... He doesn't feel so so tokeny, like oh well, there's shield, so there's got to be Nick somewhere. Like he feels kind of like he's actually doing his own thing. 
Well, they separated him from the group. At this yeah. point, he's out running around. They're actually giving him his own series. Yes. Here in like another three months, probably. So it would be neat to see if Phil and him will, will connect again. Because when they first brought in Phil Coulson into the Marvel Universe, it was in the the Battlefields book where they introduced Nick Fury Jr. That's right. So it'd be kind of neat to see them get back together and, and this being something that, that builds that. But yeah, it's it's neat to see that they're starting to show, you know, his his cover is starting to break. Right. And even though Deadpool doesn't notice it at all, it was cool that they they gave it to Coulson. Right. So that was pretty cool that they fell see it. Yeah. I mean, character wise, he's 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 a pretty cool character regardless. Yeah. Whether you're talking about the movies or the books, he, he's pretty interesting. The books he's gotten better. When he first showed up, is very like okay. I don't know if they knew what to do with him. Probably like, not. I, I think when they started, they were like, "He's gonna be our own original character," and then they went, uh, "He's gonna be the guy in the movie," and then they were like, "He's gonna be, he's gonna be guy in Shield. Where's the suit? He does wear a suit." <laughs> like, like they started gung ho, because they even like came up with this whole like, "Yeah, his nickname's gonna be Cheese." And then they were like, no, no, he's got to be like the movie. <laughs> right. And then the movie kind of didn't work either, so like he winds up being somewhere in the middle. I actually kind of really like what they did in the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, where he was supposed to be like an uber cape fanboy. Yeah, it's kind of like the shows and the movies, yeah, too. That, that, like, he even, wasn't... even the way he looks in the books now is more like oh, yeah, the, it's definitely the, movie. the actor than it is like the... The original appearance in the comic books, yeah. which I'm completely okay with. No, it's fine. I mean, honestly, if you're going to make him Phil Coulson, and he's, you know, he's he's the movie Phil Coulson. Yeah. He should be the movie Phil Coulson. Yeah. So try to make him separate in the comic books and look different was weird. Yeah, it was a, it was a strange choice. Yeah. I mean, I get why they tried to do it. Sure. But, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't work. So I'm, I'm you know I'm fine yeah. with it. Where he's at now is a lot better. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's do one more question, and then we'll move on to other nonsense we do in the show. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so, quiz question number four. Yeah, this is this is a tough one. Yeah. Look for this one for a minute. I'm going to say to have a place where the proof is at, yes. Yes. Is that the right way they say that? It's hard to find empirical evidence. Okay. Um, okay, so question that. number four. What is Dr. Strange's original ethnicity? Bum, bum, bum. There you go. That's yeah. That's the question. Find an answer. Or make one up. I mean, whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so, uh, Rob, what did you learn today? I learned that uh, DC Comics evidently have boxing frogs. Base color boxing frogs. Which is awesome. That is an odd, odd thing to learn. Uh, what I learned today, Rob? Uh, you you learned that uh, Phil Coulson is totally street because he talks about Captain America planting a drop gun. That's true. He, this is exactly what he talks uh, about. Yeah. He's definitely... Uh, I can't believe that he used Deadpool to plant a drop gun. That's that's almost a direct quote. <laughs> pretty that's, close. Yeah, nah, he's pretty street. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I, I guess maybe less street, maybe more dirty cap. I because you know I for Coulson I would have thought he would have been like, did Captain America really plant a gun on him? No, he does drop gun, total total drop gun. Yeah, like does Cap just carrying guns to drop on fools? Apparently, just so. in case he needs to kill him. You never know. That's what I learned. I learned Cap drops guns on fools so he can kill him. 
That's that's a that's with, a good thing. To learn. No repercussions, evidently. That's that's the way they teach you in the academy, kids. He's he's divided over some things, but evidently that he was like whatever. When it comes to killing, he doesn't seem to have a problem. Well, I mean, Deadpool made the shot. Oh, that's true. So conscience clear. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's just terrible. But yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty. Uh, it was pretty dirty cop. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um. <laughs> all right, uh, Rob. You got some? Uh, do we have books to watch? Uh, I feel like a few of the ones we've been talking about lately have come out, so there's got to be at least one or two. Uh, I think I talked about Rose and Thorn, or well, Rose from Image Comics last yeah. last time around. I'm super pumped for that because I've seen a little bit more for it. Okay. So I think that'll be cool. Um, it still hasn't. No, it's not gonna be out for like another two months. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty psyched for that book. Uh, I think that'll be cool. Um, super happy to see what happens in the next Super Sons, because I think that's been, that was fun. Yeah. Super, like, really digging U.S. Avengers. Yeah, like, I actually, really happy with I think it's way fun. Like, character-wise, all the characters are pretty neat little characters, and, like, I'll give you maybe no A-classers, but, man, it's been, it's been a fun book. Yeah. So I've, I've dug it. Uh, we're on issue three now. It's, it's been cool. Yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot, actually. I definitely like that one. So if you haven't got on that one, do it. Cool. Uh, another one, God Country, which we reviewed last episode. Currently at third print for issue one. Yeah, it's going to seconds and thirds so fast. Yeah, and the, number, the third print's coming out, I want to say next, well, here in the next three weeks, I think. Uh, but they've already passed the second print. Issue two came out literally this week. Depending on when you listen to this, that was recently for us in time uh, is already on its way to a second print and it had three freaking covers so yeah it's super popular it's cool issue two is great I'd like to have done that book we just did it last time so can't shouldn't do, yeah. two, shouldn't do back to back that way yeah it's a little good, good stuff God Country check it out good stuff anything else Rob? Uh, yeah, you already got my U.S. Avengers, which I think has been really good. Champions is still doing really good. It's a little preachy in some cases, but I've actually really enjoyed it still. Um, the Justice League of America is going to be coming out here pretty soon, which, for everybody who's looking for Old Lobo... You mean, the, yeah, the, num- the regular number one, because we had the Rebirth number one happen. Yes. So the regular number one's going to happen. The regular number one's going to mm-hmm. happen soon. Which I'm excited to see what that's going right. to turn into. Um... Most recent Justice League was great. Okay. The Timeless. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, like issue, I don't remember what number it is. We came out this this, this week, for those of you in time. Ha, ha, ha. It's like 20, I don't remember what number it is. Timeless Part 1, I think is what the title is. A lot of time travel, which is what I like. Um, crazy time travel and good stuff. It is an awesome issue. Um, and actually, I, I haven't had enough time to really decide what I think about it, but Wildstorm... Is out, right? And you know, I I love a lot of those characters, so I'm excited to see what they do with that story. Um, and of course, Batwoman. You know, we had her today, and so I'm still super excited to see where that's going to go for right. the next issue. So, uh, other than that, it's it's, it's kind of some of the ones that we've been following. You know, uh, Birthright is still fantastic, so I think it's really worth checking out. East and West has still been really good. Black Science. Black Science has still been really yeah. good. Half uh, seven of eternity, awesome. <laughs> All right, that it, Rob? Uh, I, th- I think so. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of books I'm leaving out that I just I, I'm not thinking about right now, but it's about as close as it's gonna get. I think. All right, 
All right, well, we'll bid you a fond adieu. Is that something we say at the end of the shows? No? I don't think so. Not ever? How well, do we usually close these it's, things? It's a, it's a thing now. No. I don't like saying that word. I think we just say do. Tiki! I won't do it. Right, we saw another part to the other shows with the. You should really watch Cameron Ryder to understand the key. That's the whole. Yep. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense at all to you. Cameron Ryder V three. Yeah, it's on the internet. You can find it. It's spelled exactly as you'd think. It's phonetic. Cameron Ryder. The key is not part of the title. It's something to say. Yeah.